and we are rolling. So uh, today we are here with um, famed crime author and uh, all-around comics writer Brian Azzarello. Punch some buttons. Uh, and uh, this is my co-host for the first time. This Hello is uh, Tony the Terrible. Terrible? Is that what you're going as with? In, as in fearsome. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, you are fearsome. Okay. That's why I need you. <laughs> yes. Uh, I am Naut. Uh, uh, I will be doing all the panels at Facts for the moment, apparently. I enjoy it. Don't worry. Uh, and we have our prime guest, uh, Brian Azzarello, with us. Um, uh, do, do you want to give your own introduction? Or, or do you, will you rely on me? <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, because um, I'm a big fan of, of your work, but I'm also a big fan of John Santris and the Word Balloon. And, oh, um, really? So, yeah. <laughs> so your, your reputation precedes you. <laughs> uh, um, the, the, the mic is on, right? His mic is on? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so, well, let, let's start at the, at the beginning. Um, you, you started out with some uh, short-lived uh, publishers, I believe, right at the start. Uh, but the first time your name was really, um, or, or I, I took notice, and I think the comics community took notice of your name, was when you started working for um, uh, Vertigo with uh, first Johnny Double, where immediately you were paired with uh, Eduardo Risso, and then you did uh, 100 Bullets and a lot of other Vertigo stuff. Um, all of it is uh, crime-related uh, it's not exactly the finest side of society and humanity. What what um, what no. appeals to you? It's the interesting side of humanity. Yeah. Well, there you go. <laughs> and and wh why does that interest you so much? Because it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm interested in people making mistakes. You know, I think that's what makes us human to begin with. So. Have you made a lot of mistakes yourself? I mean, do, do you write? One comes to mind right now. <laughs> <laughs> Be thankful it's not twice <laughs> that we're doing this. Uh, but anyway, um, let's, let's go to your collaborations with you and uh, Eduardo Risso. Sure. Um, you were assigned to it. You, you didn't know each other before Johnny Double? No, we didn't know each other. Yeah. Um, the way that that happened, um, Johnny Double got approved. The script was, we were working on the script, and Axel Alonso, who was the editor at the time, uh, he called me and said, I have three artists. I want to uh, fax some samples over to you. This is how long ago it was. So it's like, okay, Axel, I'll hang up the phone, and then you can send the faxes. And as it was coming through, I... Eduardo came through first, and I picked up the phone. I don't even know who the other two artists were. It was. I, I thought you were going to say those other two losers were. <laughs> I have no. I honestly have no idea who they were. I didn't even. It was you, just you didn't like bother. I, yeah, I called uh, Axel back and said, "Like this guy, this is this is the guy." So, what was special about those samples that you saw at first? It what caught your eye about that? It didn't. He didn't look like anybody else. He looked, um, what, what caught me immediately, and it's, it's very superficial what I'm going to say, was that he looked like he, was a, he worked in the European market. 
yeah. which is something that I liked. And that's what caught my eye immediately. And uh, how were you, how did you encounter the European market? Where, where does your affinity with that lie? Um, I just was like familiar with a lot of the, the French, you know, like album, that kind of stuff. Some of it would get translated, not a lot of it though. You know, a lot of the stuff I would I had was um, in French. Yeah. You know. And and what about your own? Um, because we'll we'll get back to um, to Risu in a bit. But that reminded me of um, your own comic origins. You you like um, the the European style? Were were you a comics fan uh, as a, uh, growing up? I read comics growing up, but I didn't really. Unlike a lot of the. Um, American comic authors. I was not into superheroes. You know, I liked the war comics and I liked the monster stuff. I liked the DC war comics and the Marvel monster stuff. Not the other way around. No. Uh, you know what? The DC monster stuff was kind of lame. <laughs> <laughs> and Sergeant Fury and the Howling Commandos was also kind of lame. So, yeah. It was not the other way around. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, uh, so... You, you, um, were you a, a big fan, or was this something you you simply read on occasion? These comics, um, I didn't like put them in bags or anything, you know. So I guess, but that's the the times because it's, yeah. it's long ago. I mean, um, yeah, I just sort of. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I was a big fan, but I wasn't like like convention going big fan or anything. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't like you guys. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I guess are are we talking the seventies, the eighties? We're talking. Yeah, I was around for both of those decades. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I guess cons weren't what they are now. No, they weren't. I mean, they, they were, were like some, in, some dealers and and maybe yeah, like in, a, in an editor or two. Yeah, or you know, they were like they were like in high school gyms and that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, we we have that even for the European uh, uh, comics over here, in in um, in in school diners. Yeah. Oh, but w what then um, made you turn to uh, uh, Axel Alonso and and Vertigo and comics as a as a career? I met Lou Stathis, who was, he was an editor at Vertigo before Axel. Axel was his assistant. Axel got hired after, I think it was after I had met Lou. But we hit it off, you know, there was. And you, you met him at a con? Axel? Uh, or, or Lou, I don't know. No, I met Lou. Lou, um, he came into comics, but not from comics. I, I knew Lou through... Um, he was a magazine editor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I knew him. So so you were working for a magazine? I wasn't working for him, no. I, I just liked I, the I, magazines yeah. that he was... Right, yeah. <laughs> but, well, but because I, I was wondering, yeah, you, you met Lou Stathis, but how did he know that you were, uh, you were a writer or you were looking for work as a writer? I told him. Sure. <laughs> 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 okay. <laughs> But what were your earlier... I mean, again, like he, he and I hit it off, you know. He told me, he, he said, okay, he was not... Lou was not really into what Vertigo was publishing. Um, 
he was an editor there, but he, you know, as he described it, it was all fairies and elves and shit. And so he, he knew what I liked and was like, you know, pitch me some stuff. Like, a, a, Well, what were your uh, earlier aspirations then if comics wasn't necessarily a goal for you to pursue? Eh, you know, I wanted to be an astronaut. Or <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, as a writer, were you aiming to be a prose writer or a writer in television? I wasn't even aiming to be a writer. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Something just happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> This job that I have, it's like 99%. I'm, I'm part of the 99% of the world. That like, this is nothing I wanted to do. It's just my, my job. Okay. I mean, I like doing it, but I didn't like when I was a kid. It's like I wanted to write comics. So when, I mean, I went to art school. I have a BFA. So when did you realize, like, hey, I, I can actually do this? Is something that I'm... Somebody hired me to... Um, I, I started writing like industrial videos for somebody who's like you're because I would write in school and he said like you're a good writer you can write this stuff so then I started writing that and he paid me so I kept doing it so your first work was like in, in video or like TV or like industrial training videos oh, okay. wow okay <laughs> did, you, did you add some of your own touches to those uh, things or were, uh, was that simply uh, no there's nothing to add no. <laughs> <laughs> except the bullet at the end yeah, they, they don't want that that's for sure so how did you transition from like training videos into fiction I don't know it just happened <laughs> I don't know <laughs> Well, let's let's head into those things. Um, uh, you you really um, hit it off with with uh, Eduardo Risso. Clearly, mm -hmm. um, he is an, an ex guest of the con. I interviewed him as well, uh, and uh, he mentioned that um, your your scripts, as you continued, became uh, things that that he could work all of his visual. Um, little uh, background um, uh, uh, happenings into, mm -hmm. um, but you you only met, I believe. We'd been working together three yeah. years before we met. Yeah, yeah. And um, but of course, San Diego. You, you, uh, he, he's um, very prolific. He's pretty fast. Yeah. And and you you. Did a lot of your, uh, the way you collaborated evolve or, or um, is there a different way that you collaborate with him because you've uh, done so much with him uh, compared to others, other artists? Um, there's some differences, but not, not really too much. Um, the way that I write scripts definitely is affected by Eduardo. Because when um, we started working together, the scripts had to be translated. And he had a translator. And this, this translator was just doing them because he was Eduardo's friend, doing it because he was Eduardo's friend. And I was like, Jesus, I mean, that's a lot of work. And so I made, I made these scripts as sparse as I could because I didn't want this guy to have to translate too much. I was just trying to be nice. <laughs> So, but when you did Johnny Double, had you written Johnny Double before you got teamed up with Eduardo? Yeah, or? I had written, it, it had been approved, and I think the script, I think the first script was done. So, when you saw those samples 
come in and you got a sense of what he was doing visually, did you, on the next collaborations, did you, like, change the way you wrote for him? Um, in terms of, like, how you describe, like, visual cues, because he's got such a strong sense of, like, how he blocks scenes and lights scenes. Oh, I never tell uh, any artist to do what to do. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. One, I hate writing art direction. Oh, okay. Two, it's up to the artist to 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 uh, bring. I mean, that's that's giving them room to bring their A game. You know, I'm not going to tell them what goes in a panel. To, I mean, over tell them what goes in a panel. Okay, cool. Because uh, I mean, some writers are so descriptive in what they what they want to say in a scene, but. For you, less is more. I yes. It. <laughs> yes. If I right, some of the you read some people's scripts and they are so descriptive, and it's like, why don't you just draw it yourself? It's like you know exactly what you want. You're not really giving any. There's not a lot of room for, like you said, collaboration. You know, an artist isn't a pair of hands to me. Yeah. You know, it's a he's a partner. You said you went to um, an, an art school. Yeah, uh, and maybe I feel that way because yeah. like I wouldn't want to do, do uh, that. Do, do you draw yourself? <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, for instance, um, probably the um, diametrical opposite to you in terms of scripts is um, Alan Moore. His scripts are pretty dense. Yeah, apparently, and and he does layouts sometimes as well. But you, yeah. So I'm wondering. I'm lazy. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you could, but yeah. He's well, not. Why bother? You have Eduardo Risso doing yeah. it anyway. Well, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I want to write a script, uh, and I think, just philosophically, I think the less that's in the script telling an artist what to do, the more their imagination works, and then they start getting creative, and it becomes, you know, there's give and take, and it, it becomes a collaboration. And do you think that is why you've um, worked with uh, several artists on multiple uh, projects together, or is that something you pursue yourself? What do you mean? Well, you you've had Eduardo, you and Eduardo Risso on Charlie Double, um, One Hundred Bullets, Moonshine, Now Spaceman. That's four projects easy. Uh, We've done ba a few Batman here yeah, and the there. Batman as well, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, Lee Bermejo on at least three off the top of my mind mm -hmm. uh, or my head. Um, uh, a, fourth, others, a fourth is coming. Uh, or, or a fifth even because I'm, I'm forgetting um, uh, Rorschach. Oh. Yeah, there's there's Luther, Joker, uh Batman, Deathblow, Rorschach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, th this is a, a, a incredibly interesting for the audience. <laughs> but I'm just wondering: um, is is that something where you feel comfortable with that artist, so you continue to just write him into the pitch, or um, do you happen to be as I, uh, the the before Watchmen thing, for instance? That seemed like. Um, they had a bunch of artists, and then they went to writers, maybe, or the other way around. I don't know. You no, know, they came to me. Yeah. Um, the way that worked, uh, Dan DiDio, who was the he was the editor in chief at the time, and he was the publisher at DC. He called me. It was a it was a sunny summer day. <laughs> <laughs> 
You remember it? Because I do. Words. No, I, I remember it. And he said, listen, I want to talk to you about something. I go, what? And um, he said, uh, we're going to do uh, Before Watchmen. And I said, like, you got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> and I think the entire world <laughs> wanted to say that to Dan Didio, but sure. And then he said, no, we're doing it. And, and we'd like you to do one of them. And he said, we'd like you to do Rorschach. And, uh, and he said it. And I was like really on the fence when he said this. And, and, but as soon as he said like Rorschach, and I like, it just Lee popped right into my head. Because it's like, oh, that would be really good to... So I, I didn't commit, and then I talked to Lee. I called Lee and said, like, hey, listen, man, I explained everything. Uh, do you want to do Rorschach? And, he goes, and he's like, fuck, yeah, I do. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you, you don't, you know, you don't, you're not on the fence about this? Like, and he's like, what? If they're going to do it, it's like we might as well do it so they, you know, they might get somebody that fucks it up. Now, people might argue that we did fuck it up, but... <laughs> Well, we'll maybe get into that later, but um, uh, I don't think no. I don't think you <laughs> fucked it up. What, no, no, no. what, what I mean? No, no, no. We're getting into it right now. <laughs> okay, <laughs> excellent. If you want to get into it, no. Um, uh, I, I was just. Um, it came to me that um, you were approached for something. I, I would say sort of similar, where. Um, I, I read that um, some publisher who had the rights to Black Sads contacted you to rewrite um, the, um, I guess, Spanish script. Yeah. And, and you said no. Because I said no. Why? why and uh, while this, I mean, before Watchmen, it's not really, because it's a prequel, you can take it or leave it. Uh, so it, you're not really rewriting Alan Moore, because who would? But at the same time, um it, it it sort of it sort of begs the question why right i i think that was why you you uh, asked um dan did you uh, what the fuck he was talking about right? yeah <laughs> but if they were going to do it well they did it anyway i did it anyway um and now it's being developed for hbo i mean those it's going to live on you know Is that something you feel compelled to do with other established characters? Because I What? feel like when you've tackled like Batman and John Constantine, that you've always sort of wanted to bring something new to the table or sort of take them out of an established context. And I won't work do with it that. unless I can do something new. Yeah. If I don't have anything to say about those characters, I won't okay. do anything with them. So can you maybe talk a little bit what you're doing with Bermeo next? Because now you're teaming up Batman and Constantine. That's what I gather from yeah. what's been released so far. It's kind of like doing, we're telling a sort of an occult superhero story, I guess. That sounds boring, doesn't it? <laughs> It's just sort of bringing like a supernatural aspect to Gotham City. Okay. So, And what sort of... Uh, what are the interesting things that you've discovered maybe about the, putting those two characters together? Because you've done them separately, so bringing them together, is there something new that you've discovered about both of them? Or Batman's a good straight man. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh, it's, um, it's 
what's interesting about this and why we're doing it, like I said, if I didn't have anything to say, it's like it's it, we're doing a story where Batman is the the dumbest guy in the story. <laughs> <laughs> um, where because it's a cult and supernatural, he's he, he's out of his element. Yeah, and like he's being led around by his nose for by John that kind of stuff. It's the, it's putting him in a in a situation he's completely uncomfortable with being in. So was that like a story that you had in your head already, or was that a situation where people came to you and say like, "Hey, we want you to do something with these characters again"? Uh, it came, <clears throat> and this thing actually came from two different angles. Uh, one was. One happened a long time ago where uh, after the success of Joker, which was really successful, um, there were a few editors, Will Dennis, uh, Mark Doyle at, at Vertigo. It's like, let's do, let's do, uh, what were they calling it then? They weren't calling it Black Label. They were calling it um, Jokerverse. It's like your take on these characters, okay. you kind of tweak them a little bit. So this story's been in the works for some time. Well, yeah, and it, so, so Luther was in that um, in that mind process as well. L Luther, Luther came before Joker, before even. yeah, but it wasn't as exp uh, as successful as Joker. So um, yeah, well, it didn't have a movie. The lightning didn't, didn't strike. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but any, and then that just like they they tried to get it off the ground. And this was a long time ago, and it just fell flat. That, that whoever was in charge at the time was like, "No, we don't need any R-rated superhero books." Um, so it just sort of blah yeah. died. Then there was another. They were trying to get me to do. DC was trying to get me to do an event. Um, was this big crossover thing, which I was like, "I don't know, no, I'm just, just not." Well, we were talking about that earlier because you did do like Future's End, which was like a yeah. giant maxi series, weekly series. And we're just wondering what was your involvement in that like? Because it seems like such an atypical book for you to tackle. That's why I did it. Uh -huh. It was like when, yeah, when he, when he called me about that, and I was like, no, Dan, I, I, don't, work, I don't play well with others. Yeah. And. And I said, I, you know what, but why can't I? Why shouldn't I try to play well with others? And was that a big challenge, working on a weekly book with three other writers? Yeah. But what was that process like? Because I can feel so terrible. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was, it, was it terrible because no, of the other it, writers? No, it really wasn't or? terrible. <laughs> it really wasn't terrible. Yeah. It was just, um, uh, it was a learning experience for me. I want, and that was why I did it, because I wanted to, you know. Yeah, that, that, that was the first time you'd really collaborated with a writer on a project? Or writers? Even? Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. And uh, because um, uh, those weekly um, series were modeled after 52. Which, by, uh, by the way, I will never do it again. Once was... <laughs> <laughs> that, 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 that is very interesting in itself. <laughs> Uh, but in um, the the process was very intense for fifty two. They they had like, I think weekly conferences. Yeah, we had those too. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, th th that's why you said it was terrible. 
Well, it was, uh, um, no, it wasn't terrible. I was just like playing around. It was good. I mean, it was, no, no, it wasn't good. It wasn't terrible. It was, a, like I said, it was a learning experience. I learned a lot. It was interesting to work with. Like Dan Jurgens comes at this comes at storytelling from a completely different place than I do. Um, Keith as well, and you know Jeff uh, Lemire is somebody I really admire his work. Yeah. So it was like I wanted to work with him. So I'm kind of wondering how like what was the division of labor there? Did you like each work on an issue, or did you trade issues off? No, we were kind of we each had storylines going. So, like, how do I, like, uh, like the Batman Beyond storyline, that was mine. So that's what I was doing through the whole thing. And uh, the, uh, yeah. But that explains it. <laughs> um, and and uh, because I, I, I ha- well, I haven't read um, uh, Future's End yet. Um, so did it? Did um, Batman Beyond then uh, dovetail into the other um, uh, storylines that were in there, or were, were yeah, pretty I much think on your own? No, no, they all sort of like came together. Yeah. It, it was th- it was really separate at first, and then yeah. Yeah, then it all came together. Were you working on Wonder Woman concurrently with Future's End? I don't think I was. I might have been. Okay. Because Future's End seems like something that was so, like, editorially heavy. And uh, we've... We were in preparation Uh, uh, of this. We were talking about... The New 52 in general uh, has some some bad uh, stories about editorial interference, hiring and firing before projects were started. You um, were uh, were assigned or you picked, I don't know, uh, Wonder Woman? (laughs) Was it assigned to you? Mm. All right. Or the, the, at the, the time, at the time, Dan had been trying to get me to, and I think it was Dan and Jim at the time. They'd been they, they like, we really want you on one of the Justice League characters. You know, Green Lantern. <laughs> it, it pretty much was pick one, um, and I'm like, I have no interest in doing this, doing weekly superhero books. I, don't, I just don't want to do it, and or monthly, and. Um, and then I came up with an idea for one of the characters who will re- rename Nameless. And I told it, to, I told it to, to them, and they're like, wow, yes, do it. It's like, fine, you can have that book. I'm like, eh, well, you know. And we were at dinner, and they were revamping. Dan was telling me you know, what they're doing with all the characters, and they're revamping it. And I said, what are you going to do with Wonder Woman? Just out of curiosity. And he told me, and I was appalled. I thought it was like, I thought it fundamentally would hurt that character so badly that it, it was just like, no, you can't do that. You can't do that to that character. That character's too important, and you're, you're actually hurting her. And then I, I started talking about, what if you did something like this? And I think this might be, it's not as... Um, it won't be such a shock to the system. And by the end of the dinner, I'm writing Wonder Woman instead of the other character. Right. And, and you could still go back to that pitch for that other character? They still want me to, yeah. yeah. 
but you don't. <laughs> no, I don't want to. <laughs> You've done Wonder Woman now. Leave me alone. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> sure. Um, it was um, it was a very cohesive run. Your Wonder Woman, um, especially where a lot of the rest of the New Fifty Two had uh, creator changes, uh, direction changes halfway through. You got to tell your story, and uh, on top of that. Well, yeah, that's the story that was told was the story that Cliff and I pitched. I said, we're going to need three years. This is what we're going to do. This is where you'll be at the end of the first year. This is where you'll be at the end of the second year. And this is where you'll be at the end of the third year. And then you can have her back. But I need about 30, 36 issues. I think it was a little less. 35. And, and the zero issues. Yeah. So it was 36 then, right? So um, to tell the story, and I gave him the outline of the whole thing. And that's how we avoided any interference, because yeah, we, sure. we, here's the story, yeah. and they signed off on it. So you never experienced any blowback or like editorial or even Dan saying like, you can't do this or you want it. I want you with to- With Wonder Woman? Yeah, with Wonder Woman. One thing. That's all. And, and it was one, uh, the Superman-Wonder Woman relationship. Oh, that, wasn't, that was never really featured. In, in, not in my book, yeah. no. no. Uh, you, you had the, the editorial request to feature it, maybe? Um, no. No. Uh, in my book... Well, okay. In my book, she was going to have a relationship with Orion. Um... Because I just thought that her, they, they didn't get along and it could be that real sort of like yeah. fireworks kind of thing. But then she got in a relationship with Superman. And I was, like, I was like, oh, okay. Well, it's like, well, I guess Wonder Woman plays the field. And they were like, no, she doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like she's monogamous. Um, which was too bad, you know. Yeah, that that it it was it was interesting to just have him as uh, the douchey dickhead that she didn't like. Yeah, but wouldn't it have been better if she yeah. was, he was the douchey dickhead that she was sleeping with? <laughs> <laughs> and everyone going, "Why? Why Wonder Woman?" Yeah. But um for instance, because um you really uh, delved into the Greek pantheon, um the whole um mythology of uh, gods and monsters, in Wonder Woman, and um, towards the end, you had some um, pretty explicit um, horror scenes in there as well. That was all part that that, that was uh, signed off on without any. Uh, I mean, you, you turned Olympus into a, a mountain of flesh. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that was a big reveal in a in a preacher issue. I, I it was that, uh, well, not not that Olympus was a mountain of, but uh, 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 like a um, a female avatar of flesh, with with uh, Queen Cannon, towards the end of the run. Oh you had, yeah, you had yeah, this, yeah, this factory where he had the um, like his goddess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Made of all his meat products, and I, I didn't uh, immediately expect to see this in a mainstream DC comic. <laughs> Well, it, it, it was definitely you know, interesting, and it, it fit yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but Garth, Garth did it. Is th Garth was doing satire with that? We weren't doing satire. We were like, well, we were well, turning Olympus inside out. Yeah. But 
Yeah, yeah. it was it was it was good. <laughs> I liked it a lot. Did you have a big say in like the redesigns of the gods? Because there are some drastic redesigns. Yeah. Because early and earlier DC versions are just humans with powers, but in your rogues. Yeah. Is that something that you like were very deliberate in, or did you just very, say to Cliff like? No, 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 no. You, we were oh, very okay. deliberate in that. Oh, okay. Um, one of the things that I thought was. Uh, And it had been discussed a lot, so it wasn't just me thinking this. It was that one of the problems with the differences between Marvel and DC. There's a lot of characters in Marvel that don't look human. No. DC, pretty much everybody looks human, you know? And this was, I saw this as an opportunity to address that. It's like, let's make some of these, you know, these gods that they, the, their physical manifestations are also manifestations of what their gods are. So, then, why do you look like the god of war? That would be or the other way around. <laughs> that was Cliff. <laughs> that was his joke. Uh, yeah, funny joke. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so th th he was deliberate about it, but you didn't know, or, or you just accepted? I, when I wrote the description for war, I said, Cliff, this is a guy who's um, seen better days. <laughs> that he's you know he's older with friends like these yeah he's older he's kind of disheveled he uh uh he drinks too much <laughs> he has a long beard no i actually said like that? i said like you know what i'm thinking of cliff i'm thinking of uh john hurt yeah that's what i was thinking sure. of yeah um and then he came back with uh yeah. john hurt with a beard Yeah, he came back with me, and I was like, uh, all right, Cliff, fine. But you were talking earlier about if you tackle an established character, you want to add something new to them. What was it about Wonder Woman that you wanted to sort of put your own stamp on there? What particularly did you think you accomplished during those 36 issues? What did I accomplish? Or what did you add to her story? <laughs> A father. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And that stuck. Oh, you know? It's a better origin, in my opinion. It, it, it's an origin that fits in with Greek, you were doing. With Greek mythology. Yeah. You know? um, and, you know, that, that, that was the other thing about... Um, Wonder Woman, looking at the Trinity, the Trinity, <laughs> um, which really is bullshit. There's Batman and everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> um, Don't but, say that to Green Lantern's face. Look, Batman. Batman's what sells. Okay. Um, but you got a human, and you got an alien, and then you had Wonder Woman. What was Wonder Woman? It's like, so how do we fix this? We get a, let's make the Trinity a human, an alien, and a god. And then it just sort of like, oh, that works, you know? Well, it's interesting that, you're, that you say that you've got the Trinity, but based on what you did in Dark Knight 3 with Frank Miller, that seems, it's a story about Batman, but it certainly heavily features a lot of DC characters. Was that something that was more that came from Frank more in that book or was 
something that you both develop, like, hey, let's make a story that it sort of encompasses the entire DC world, actually? Well, it was... Um, it, it was kind of impossible to put those characters back in the box after Dark Knight 2, you know, because they were way out in the front of that. And... Um, so they were, they, they were, you know, they're part of the the Dark Knight universe. So we had to, we had to touch them, you know. So how did you get drawn into Dark Knight Three? Actually, he asked me to do it. Okay, <laughs> but what excited you about his pitch for? What, what excited me? Yeah. Uh, Frank Miller asked me to write. <laughs> what excited me? <laughs> so I was wondering because. What was the division of labor on that book, actually? I did all the labor. <laughs> <laughs> the stories are true. <laughs> no, he, um, the division, I, the process, the, the way it started, uh, Frank and I had been friends, we were friends for a long time, and he, uh, who was it? Dan, it was Dan again, said, Frank wants to talk to you about something. So it was after New York Comic Con, went over there, and he it's like, I want to do Dark Knight 3, but I don't want to do it by myself. I'm like, oh, okay. And do you want to do it with me? Uh, yeah. <laughs> as simple as that. It, and, and he had like a, maybe a pitch document or treatment or something he had, like that? Okay. He had all these big moments. Like, I want this to happen, this to happen, and this to happen, and this to happen, this to happen. This to happen. Oh, by the way, we're going to call it Master Race. <laughs> and, but, and that, that, that wasn't one of those big things he wanted to happen. That was just the title he said it was going to be. Yeah, he said it was going to be called Master Race. But he had reasons. And, and I'm saying, you sure you want to call it that? And he goes, it's provocative. And I'm like, little. <laughs> so he gave me all these moments and he said, put them in order. Um, or come up with an order. So I did, and went back and said, "This is. I think this works here. This works here. This this." He works. It was, it was that was another um, learning experience because Frank works in moments. Um, I work. I start at the end, and then so that that is definitely. Uh, so your end is fixed so you know what to work to when I work to yeah yeah because yeah, yeah. then I can work backwards so this was like putting up yeah. so it was um, it was a, it was a interesting way to work and would you do that again would I work with Frank again yes yeah yeah good it was fun I mean when we were doing the story we're like in his studio and we're doing voices Okay. Uh, yeah. 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 So you could do that all day. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he's so, like, so, uh, he goes uh, like, uh, and then Batman, you know, and he turns and put does the Batman voice says you know, and, and uh, what what does the Batman voice sound like? <laughs> uh, it's Frank's voice, but it's you know it's rah, rah, it's Batman's voice. <laughs> cool. Uh, so speaking of of script writing, um, something very. Um, Distinctive about your dialogue is the way uh, your characters will um, juggle language. Let's say they will um, like use use a pun or an expression and then subvert that 
to uh, something else or a character will jump back and forth uh, on it and it, it's something that uh, keeps coming back um, where where does that uh, where does that come from this this um, this play on on language that you can't seem to put down a little i i was reading um moonshine i think at the first page you uh, i immediately uh, immediately knew here's azarella oh, what did i say <laughs> I, I don't remember it was late at night <laughs> don't um, quote me on it but it's it's something that immediately shows this is an Azzarello yeah. book, but perhaps it's starting to be something that um, is that your way of engaging the reader because your <laughs> texts are so laced with like double entendres, puns. Sometimes you even have to like vocalize what the characters are saying to get a joke or get what's going on exactly. That's, <laughs> That's sort of like demanding the reader almost like, yeah, I want you to engage with what's going on here on more than a superficial level. Uh, that's I do that so I'm engaged. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, you should have fun when you're reading these things, yeah. you know? But that sort of, yeah, it's it's refreshing almost to see you put that in the text because it sort of demands the reader to pay close attention and that's also the way I feel that you plot your stories it's not very well should I say this you the payoff to what you set up sometimes comes like three or four issues down the line mm -hmm. is that something that you like consciously do when plotting is like I'm going to set something up here and I want people to stick with me through this uh, yeah, yeah, probably because like when that would happen when I was reading, I would be like, I, I found that thrilling yeah. that like something it's like, whoa, yeah. I remember from back here where, you know, so that's, that's the kind of stuff that I like. So I put it in what I do. And does that come from like comics you read growing up or like from TV mm -hmm. or novels? No, I don't, think, I don't I, think any of those comics were written like that. Um but I don't know. It's just me, I guess. Where's it come from? Eh. So it's as much a it, <laughs> it's as much a challenge for you to write that way as it is to sort of say I want to get this response from the readership. Oh, I don't know if it's a challenge. It's just the way I. I mean, I do want to be challenged while I'm writing. Otherwise, yeah. you know, I, boy, the last thing I want to do is get bored. I don't. know. And I like challenging the readers too, and I like it that I like it when people don't like what what I did. <laughs> well, Brian, I've got news for and you. And her vocal, <laughs> and her, listen, my sweet spot is I want fifty percent of the people to love what I do and fifty percent to hate it. Yeah. But all of them to buy it, all of them to talk about it. Sure. All right. Even better. That's like that. You know. The love-hate thing, it's like, go argue on the internet. That's what you're there for. Yeah. I mean, and that's what it's there for. So um, you're working on uh, Moonshine uh, for, for Image? Yeah. That's a first, not at um, Vertigo. Um, Eduardo Risse, when he was here, he also mentioned that um, you felt, uh, by you I mean the both of you, that your time at um, Vertigo had sort of passed. So you were looking for... 
other places to put your creator-owned work, I guess? Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got one. <laughs> but um, uh, you're you're still uh, very much active at DC. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, aside from uh, Moonshine and the project you're working on with uh, Bermejo, that that's Batman Damned, right? Yeah. Uh, is there anything else on your slate? Well, it, I did another um, image book. Uh, it's called Alpha King. It did it with um, Three Floyds Brewing. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, that was Simon Bisley. With Simon Bisley, yeah. The trade just, I think it came out, or comes out next week. I don't know. It's real close. That was pretty fun. Um, you know, that's, that, and that's just like this crazy story about barbarians and cyborgs and beer. Beer. <laughs> And uh, then we're, we're starting the follow-up, which is that's called Space Station Middle Finger. That'll be out. Uh, okay. <laughs> Will there be more American Monster at Aftershock? I hope so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't know. I felt there was like a kind of a weird synergy because I've heard you talk in other interviews about how Dark Knight has to be sort of it has to be topical because the original Dark Knight Returns played into the politics of the 80s and I felt that American Monster was something that was very topical as well with all the subjects that are in there and I if I'm correct you wrote it during 2016 or it came out during 2016 those yeah. first issues yeah did that sort of was it very deliberate that you looked at what was going on in the news or because that was you know well, it was real hard to escape the news then. Yeah. Um, it's still, a, well, maybe not so much anymore. I mean, I think that was when we were really just getting bombarded. It, it's gotten to a point now where I think people are almost desensitized to the news, you know. And, and plus, you don't know what to trust anymore. Yeah. So America Monster was like deliberately... Being like everything a commentary I do is on deliberate. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it was like overtly a commentary on what we were seeing, or uh, I don't know if it, it was uh, overt. Uh, I tried to not make it overt, but I mean, it was. It's definitely about what's going on in the world. Yeah. That's what. Yeah, but it originated more with like, did you come up with the characters first or the story, and the dude then tie it all together? With, it with originated what's going on? the the idea was like. Uh, it, American Monster and Moonshine sort of came out of the same uh, challenge that I gave myself at some point, maybe 2016 or whatever. It was um, how do we take the Universal Monsters and and update them yeah. in a in a way that and American Monsters Frankenstein story. Okay, um, we'll try some audience questions. Sir in the front. Hello. Did you have some plans to do uh, one more Dark Knight? A new one or uh, the following of the last one? Are we going to do another one? I don't know. <laughs> 
I have a feeling that the answer is yes. I was in Mexico City with Frank about three weeks ago, and we were talking about one. So, because at a certain point he said I was going, uh, he was going to do uh, a four by himself, but probably you'll be the fixed collaborator now. Oh, I don't know if I'm. If, yeah. if he wants me to help, help him and, and work with him. I'd love to, but if he wants to do it by himself, I'd love to see that too, you know? I'm not going to tell him what to do. <laughs> it doesn't work anyway. I was uh, wondering with the... Uh, I was wondering with the uh, Batman Flashpoint, how much of that was your own input and how much was uh, dictated by editorial None of it was dictated by editorial. <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, what do you mean? More like, uh, like, could you decide who would be Batman and uh, that's, that's the, the only thing that they came to me with. Okay, I, another story. Uh, Eddie Berganza called me, and he's an editor, was an editor at DC, and said, uh, "Hey, we're doing this, or Jeff's doing this big event." Explain to me what Flashpoint was. And was so, and uh, we we're just wondering, maybe you'd want to do one of the spinoff books. I'm like, uh, no. Like, which one? Well, we thought you'd like Nightwing. I was like, oh, I Nightwing. Why would I like Nightwing? Like, I don't. And I said, what are you doing with Batman? I said, oh, Thomas Wayne's Batman. It's like he didn't get, he didn't die in the alley. But. Um, he said like, he didn't die in the alley Martha and Bruce got shot and I'm like Eddie you bonehead you don't kill the, the mother you, you leave them alive and you kill the kid that's your story he said do you want to do Batman <laughs> uh, hello um, so I uh, really loved your Wonder Woman run, and I was wondering, uh, one of the uh, things that I enjoyed most about most about it was um, the larger cast with all the gods and uh, the siblings who played a much larger role, I felt, than they did in the previous runs. Um, was that something that you, uh, that uh, was it like a major choice when you started um, writing that uh, story, that you wanted more characters involved? Yes, absolutely. I wanted to give her a family. Um, and I thought that the the Greek gods, like they're the original dysfunctional family. <laughs> <laughs> and and the thing about those characters that, that's like really that's interesting to me is that unlike a lot of other deities, they don't represent either good or evil. They represent both to, you know, a certain extent. You know, so it was like, oh, this is good. We can do like, we can do the Godfather with Wonder Woman. Hi, uh, you mentioned earlier how you want people to both love and hate your books. Is there anything in particular you've written a moment or a story where you where you knew when you were writing it, oh, people are really going to hate this? Uh, yes. 
Go on. No. <laughs> How about a story that you thought, well, uh, maybe 100% of people will love this one? No. <laughs> You're no. going for that straight balance. Well, yeah, I guess so. I mean, Joker was when Lee and I decided to do Joker. That was a that was in a, a reaction towards how, in the regular comics, he had almost become like an antihero, where people really liked him, and you shouldn't like that character. That <laughs> I mean, that character should be like. If he, when he walks in the room, everybody in the room's like, "Oh shit," you know. So that's where that came from. Just a question on 100 bullets. Um, I assume when you did the pitch, you didn't have a, an outline for all 100 issues. So was there anything? But you probably defined what the end will be. Was there anything when going on during the process that changed from the original process or the things how things should work out things you recognized work out better um timelines didn't work out as rigidly as i had them in the in the outline um the outline was pretty uh it was pretty dense it was um they uh It was meant to be a hundred issues, and when the, when we started it, you know, DC is like, "Can you, uh, if this is if this doesn't succeed, will you be able to uh, wrap it up, say, in eighteen issues?" And I go, "Yeah, sure." <laughs> I would have just stopped at eighteen and just like left it, rather than rather than try and wrap it up. Um, As far as something not working out the way I planned it, yeah, you weren't supposed to like Lono. He's like the most popular character in that book. I did everything. We did everything we could to make you hate that guy, and it just <laughs> didn't work. It worked. Um, I wanted to ask about uh, the Superman story you did. For tomorrow, which um, the first issue that was the first Superman book, uh, Superman issue I picked up, and I know it's a story that has really polarized Superman fandom. There are people that are, are really not behind it, and there are people who really like uh, some of the stuff that's gone with that. Just sort of, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what you wanted to achieve with that, and whether you felt you actually uh, did that with the story. You just said I did it. <laughs> <laughs> um. Like I mentioned earlier, it was like it, it for me, good stories come out of mistakes, so I like, okay, Superman's perfect, but he made a big mistake let's and then it fleshed out from there um, and and that started that whole thing was like uh Jim Lee called me and uh said, like, I'm, I'm going to be doing Superman. I want to do Superman for a year. I'm like, no, we have a good time. <laughs> he said, no, you're going to do it with me. I'm like, no, Jim, I, I don't think I have a Superman story. I mean, oh, you'll come up with one. You'll come up with one. I'm pretty confident. <laughs> Jim doesn't take no for an answer, by the way. 
So, and, you know, and we did it. We did it for a year. We were never late. <laughs> Then uh, I have nothing else but to thank you very much, Brian. You sure. were uh, a treasure. A And treasure. A, 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 <laughs> a joy to speak to, at least. Um, and uh, thank you. Uh, Thanks. <laughs>